I'm excited to uh, have here on our podcast today, Dennis Giangi. And Dennis, uh, thank you very much for making the time. Uh, Dennis is at Rolls-Royce Canada. And the first time I met Dennis, I said, what car did you come in here with? And he said, uh, you know, I, I, it's not the first time I get that question, but you know, we're not in the car business anymore. So <laughs> thank you for joining me, Dennis. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Gary. Thank you for the invite. Uh, and for for the audience, uh, uh, Rolls Royce uh, is in the jet engine business, and uh, the cars has been licensed out for a long time. I think the seventies, Dennis. Yeah, nineteen seventy three. It's been a, it's been a long time. Yet yeah, the questions still come. <laughs> well, you know, people don't see jet engines rolling down the road very often, uh, but they see cars uh, probably a little more often than that. So. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and uh, Dennis, you know, there's a lot of people in, in uh, a lot of listeners that will listen to this and wonder, uh, what is Dennis's background? Uh, and uh, we'll start a little bit with your upbringing. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, growing up and, and uh, who, how Dennis became the Dennis that we know today. Uh, you know what, how much time do we have? Because uh, the, the path uh, changed a, a few times around, um, you know, upbringing, um, you know, I think that because of my my dad who was a math teacher um you know there was a lot of focus i was put on on math as i was growing up a little less so on the other topics um and uh, i thought i was going to be an engineer that was it we had a career day uh in cjep and i came home thinking this was the absolute worst thing in the world at least the, the person making the presentation wasn't really compelling i thought that's it i'm going to go into math like my dad uh only to realize i think a week before university started to say you know what this is not what I really want to do. So I uh, changed my application just blindly to commerce to become a, a chart accountant, went down that route and um, yeah, became a, a CA. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, that's the beginning of my, uh, my professional career. And uh, Dennis, I think that's uh, leads me to my next question. Uh, growing up, who had the biggest impact on your life? I mean, this may sound cliche, but without a doubt, my, my parents, uh, you know, my, my dad, um, you know, taught me about hard work, driving for excellence in everything that you do. Uh, and my mom, despite her, you know, being about five foot tall uh, with some heels, uh, taught me self-confidence. Uh, essentially, you know what, you, you'll get nothing out of life if you don't ask. And the worst thing is someone's going to say no to you. And, you know, you, you kind of just, to, you know, start believing, understanding that. And, uh, yeah, so both of them, for different reasons, uh, you know, had a, 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 you know, a huge impact in terms of my upbringing and who I am today. And, uh, Dennis, I, I, I very much uh, could see that. Now, you told me about a story with how your dad had high expectations uh, uh, growing up. And I think I could see that playing out in life and uh, because you have high expectations for yourself, but uh, perhaps if you were comfortable, uh, the uh, can 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 I ask you about the pool story? The pool table. Yeah, story? I can tell you. I can tell you about the pool story. So, uh, going back to what I said, you know, my dad's focus uh, for for me, anyways, was around math. Um, so I remember in in high school, I think it was in grade uh, eight, uh, I changed schools uh, a bit more, focus on mathematics. I came home with a, a ninety six average for the year. 
I remember my dad looking at me, shaking his head, asking me, you know, where the other four marks were. And I thought, well, he must be kidding. And clearly he wasn't kidding. Um, so the next year, grade nine, um, I ended up not making a mistake the whole year. I got 100% on my math report card. You know, my dad was thought, you know, had told me, this is great. I told you, if you apply yourself, you can, you know, achieve excellent things. As my reward, um, he had bought me a pool table. You can imagine uh, uh, at that time, whatever, 14, 15 year old boy with a pool table at home, you know, coolest kid in the block. Um, came the next year in, in honors mathematics. I came home with a 98. And my dad, again, thought, well, you know, you didn't, you worked way too fast and you could have done better. And the pool table got sold. So you, you talk about having this sort of elevated bar. I, I kind of grew up with that, um, you know, at least in mathematics with my dad. So it was, uh, you know, now I can look back and laugh. At the time, I didn't think it was that funny. Yeah. Well, and, and it is it is one of those things uh, that, uh, you know, when you're a kid and that's so, so important to you, you're like, what, like for 2%? <laughs> but uh, it, it does make us, uh, does, teach us to push ourselves. And I think uh, we have to, to your point, uh, thanking our parents uh, for that can uh, sometimes it's helpful. Yeah. Uh, and Dennis, now people may wonder, uh, because your industry the is so unique. Um, what does a, a typical day to day life, uh, sort of a, a day in your life look like in your professional life? Yeah, so I think professionally, um, I do wake up early. I'm a morning person, usually um, in the office here by 5.30 in the morning. So I, I do tend to get early starts. Uh, I just love the mornings. I've always been that, that sort of morning person. So I've got a couple of hours to look at my day, plan, read emails, doing a lot with Europe as well. It gives me a chance to sort of catch up with what's happened on the European front. Um, and then usually around 8 o'clock, meetings start and you know, meetings are usually back to back um, for a while. Uh, but one thing which I've done throughout my career and I still do today is, you know, make sure I'm home for supper time. I think, uh, you know, prioritizing family. I've got three, uh, three boys, uh, my wife as well. I think that's really important because you can get sucked away and spend endless hours at the office. So I, I don't mind, wake, uh, you know, starting early, but end of the day uh, is time for my family. And I've always uh, made sure there's time for uh, for that. And uh, Dennis uh, can certainly appreciate that. It's very important. Also says uh, the message is uh, if you if you need Dennis to respond to an email, it has to be uh, between uh, six and uh, seven thirty. <laughs> Best time. <laughs> uh, and Dennis, to to ask you uh, next, certainly the the professional lives take so much of our time, and it is uh, it's important, but. What else do you enjoy professional uh, professional life aside? What are some hobbies? What are things you enjoy doing outside of uh, work? Yes, I mean, I, I'm a huge basketball fan. Uh, and luckily, my, my three boys were all basketball players. Um, so I had a chance to coach them for a number of years. I used to love doing that. Now they're, um, I'll say, retired. Um, so no more coaching. So in my spare time, if the one thing that I really enjoy doing uh, that I usually spend a lot of time on weekends is cooking. I love to bake uh, cookies, uh, cakes, you name it. I, have, I mean, I personally don't have a sweet tooth, but the rest of my family actually quite enjoy it. So for me, that's a great way of just disconnecting and uh, trying new recipes and whatnot. That is definitely what I, um, I like to do in my spare time. And apart from the fact that I'm also addicted to Costco. So if I'm not home baking, I may be found at Costco where I 
you know, I tend to meet a lot of people as well. But that's uh, that's what I, you know, in a nutshell, what I, I do enjoy. Well, and for for those listeners that haven't met Dennis in person, he has the height to support his basketball passion as well, which uh, uh, I must say I didn't have. Uh, and uh, so th I, that that actually adds up and makes a lot of sense, Dennis. Uh, and <laughs> I, I appreciate the, the Costco obsession, uh, and I call it obsession because the people that like Costco, it, it's they don't just lightly, like, they like Costco and they spend a fair bit of time there. <laughs> And I personally overspend yeah. there a bit, but just just slightly, just slightly. <laughs> I think we all do. Uh, we all do. Uh, so, Dennis, one of the things that uh, for for the audience that many people would be curious on is what was your career journey like? What were some of the pivotal moments in your career journey? Yeah, I think, like I said at the beginning, I had a couple of uh, you know decision points that changed. Um, I would say that. Once, you know, I started the actual career, uh, you know, first job was at KPMG, uh, you know, thrilled to be part of a, of a big firm um, because I'd done quite well in my studies at McGill. Uh, McGill had asked me to come back and teach and um, take a course um, one day a week, one night a week. I think for me, that was quite important because I think get, you know, get, getting things like public speaking skills, improving that um, was a huge plus in terms of baggage that I kind of took with me. So. The teaching at McGill was quite pivotal. I think eventually leaving KPMG uh, to come to Rolls-Royce, I think, you know, making the move to industry, definitely a big change for anybody uh, in their in their career. And I would probably say that in terms of jobs, I would say there's probably two jobs that really had an impact on me career-wise. Um, I initially started here in, in tax, actually. And uh, when I became the director of tax for Canada for Rolls-Royce, you realize that the buck stops here Right. There's no boss above you checking what you've done or whatnot. Something from an accountability point of view, that was quite um, important. And I think that the next move after that, being the CFO, uh, also, I think, um, you know, you end up having a variety of different reports um, and dealing with people, managing people uh, from different backgrounds. You know, here at Rolls-Royce, our, our CFO looks after not just the finances, but you know, has IT and security and legal and procurement and whatnot. So quite a, a, a broad scope. Um, and that also was quite, um, I think, career changing, including this role as well when I became president, um, where similar to the, to the director of tax, it's, you know, the buck stops with you. Um, and, but, you know, to be honest, I've thoroughly, I still enjoy every day uh, coming into the office. You know, there's not two days that are alike. Um, so the, the change here as well has been, um, quite significant career-wise. And, and Dennis, uh, if I recall correctly, it's been over 24 years at Rolls-Royce, uh, which is uh, a, a lengthy uh, career. And, and this day, uh, unusual to find people with that level of loyalty, so commendable for sure. Um, now, you know, sort of the progression that you had and also making it to president in 2016 also meant you upskilled yourself uh, to to in areas that you didn't have experience before, uh, from HR to to understanding some of the other aspects of the business that were and let's be honest, you know the training we get in school is minimal, so we can't we can't expect our school training to carry us through some of these. So for those leaders that may be in the focus in finance currently or in areas that are a bit more specific, what were some of the avenues you pursued to to upskill yourself? Like was this a lot of learning ad hoc? Was it mentors? How, 
how did you uh, how did you figure it out? Yeah, I think for from my perspective, um, if I go back to you know my my tax days at Rolls Royce, I thought, well, I don't want to be just a tax guy. So I would personally spend a lot of time with our lawyers, with our commercial teams, understanding the business, understanding other things to to broaden myself uh, and my awareness of the business. Uh, so I think that for me, ensuring that people have breadth is so important uh, in in any sort of career progression. Um, so I think that that was probably one of the, the key things that I had clearly as a leader now, I mean, you know, the world is still evolving and it's up to us to make sure that we're um, still relevant. So a lot of courses are, are given, you know, that I've taken, whether it's through ICD certifications or whatnot. I mean, you know, there's always things that are out there. And clearly, even from an employee point of view, if I look back 24 years ago till today, the employees and what they're looking for has changed as well. So, you know, it's up to us as leaders to adapt to the new needs of, of people, of employees, uh, to make sure you're still an employer of choice. And that's, you know, part of my role and our roles as leaders uh, to make sure that we understand the environment in which we operate. For sure. And, and I think the, the, to your point, uh, we're always learning. There's always uh, things that, that we can always uh, improve on. And uh, nothing better than giving the responsibility to your point, to when the buck stops with you, as you said, nothing that helps you figure it out faster than the buck stops with you. So you better figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, Dennis, uh, naturally, anytime uh, you have the, this level of responsibility, there's challenges you come across. And what would be some of the challenges that, that you could share with us that, that you faced and, and like, how did you overcome them? Because leadership, yeah. uh, and, and to put it into perspective, just from that makes, that, that's one of the biggest learnings we find through the podcast for a lot of the audience where they're like, we learn from challenges. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there's some simple, I'd say, HR type challenges. I mean, I, I remember earlier on, one of the, 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 the key ones where was where you have peers uh, that all of a sudden you now become their boss. And, you know, how you deal with, with that, how you approach those sort of challenges. And, I mean, by nature, I have always been a glass half full person. No matter what the situation is, I will find goodness in, in what comes out of it. Because if not, if you're the face of the organization and you're not as positive, that just cascades and transcends, transcends throughout the organization. Um, you know, as you know, Gary, we've chatted about uh, last year, we had a, a strike here on site, six months, very, very difficult personally. Um, but again, I think just to, to rally the troops, bring them in together to, to, you know, to be positive and to encourage them that, you know, we are gonna get through this and, you know, and we end up getting through it. And I think people always thought, you know, if Dennis is still able to smile through these very difficult times, then, you know, we should all be in that same sort of boat. So it's always, you know, we, we refer to that that term here at Rolls-Royce about the shadow that you cast and how that's important from a, a leadership point of view. So I think always remaining positive, no matter what things are thrown your way, um, I think are things that uh, I've learned throughout my own leadership uh, journey. And... Uh... Dennis, one of the uh, one of the areas that's always interesting is is you know every time because our businesses evolve all all the time, and and when you're in a position of leadership, you always need to make sure that the team aligns your vision and, and mission. Um, what are some of the methods you've 
employed in time to get that alignment uh, from from the broader team. Yeah, I think you know it just starts with communication. Um, you know, having regular, regular discussions, not just with your team. You know, I make a point to meet with our the entire site here. Um, you know, to, to share with them where we are, how we're doing. So I think that constant communication, I think, is critical in in sharing the the vision, the values, uh, the goals that you have as an organization. And the one thing that I think that you know, one of the key learnings as well that I've had over the years is the I would, I'd call it almost an obligation to celebrate the small wins because you may set ambitious goals for yourself for an organization. And to go from zero to 100 may take a couple of years. And if you don't, if you wait until you get to the 100 mark uh, to celebrate, you may lose a lot of people and have them disengage. So I think that as you go through and hit certain milestones that you feel are important, stop, celebrate. You know, that encourages people, that motivates people to keep on going. Because sometimes if that the, the targets are, are too long term, you may end up losing people along that journey. So. I think celebrate small wins along the way of your um, your journey is also, in my mind, super important. Yeah, and uh, Dennis, uh, it's themes that we hear consistently here, that communication, uh, consistent communication. I remember uh, an interview with the CEO of uh, Microsoft when they were going through some transformational changes. And uh, one of the questions to them was, uh, so how do you make sure that you keep everyone aligned? And they said, uh, communicate, communicate, communicate basically communicate multiple times and then when you, just when you think you've done enough communicate again so essentially it's it's almost like it's never enough just keep communicating yeah so that's yeah that's, i think there's no such thing as as over communicating i i buy into that theory 100 percent. but also the uh, i can attest to you definitely coming across as a half uh, a glass half full person so i think that's that's an important trait <laughs> yeah because it's you know it, it is easier if it is innate uh, when, if you're naturally uh, the glass half full person it's it's better it's easier to keep the positivity versus just when when you have to sort of try to to come across like the glass half full person. <laughs> I think especially I think that you know in all of our jobs there there are going to be challenges. If there are no challenges, we wouldn't have these jobs. So I think to be able to take them on, understand them. Uh, you know, we live in a very complicated life. So, you know, what I, I tend to do is just simplify it to the lowest common denominator. What's the most important thing in making this decision? Um, so I, I agree that it's just got to be, you've got to be positive and want to make a difference as well. And that's part of the traits that you'd expect to have from your leaders. Uh, and uh, Dennis, the, the, uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is, uh, you are at a large multinational organization uh, that is that has been around for a long time, but it also continues to grow quickly. And uh, you've had a great career. Uh, for people that have ambitions to be become a leader at a whether it's a large national organization or multinational organization, what tips would you have for them in terms of progression and sort of how they should pursue a similar path? Yeah, I think that some of the the tips that I would have. Uh, I think number one is breadth. Uh, don't don't settle for what your your title tells you you should be doing. Um, so again, I go back to if you're a CFO, it isn't just about the debits and credits. You know, think broadly, think long term, understand the environment you work with. You know, and and, and get more skills. Um, so definitely breadth, I think, is a, a huge 
uh, factor for people in multinational organizations. I think probably one that's probably not as well understood is the importance of networking and networking outside of the organization where a lot of leaders bring a lot of value isn't just to what they have here internally, but able to pick up the phone to think, you know what, by the way, I think Gary has gone through this. Let me let me call him. Let me call that person. So the networking ability also brings huge value to a multinational company. And it takes a lot of time to build up that network. Um, but I think that that is time well spent, well invested. And I would definitely encourage uh, everybody who's thinking about progressing in a multinational to look at their their network and make sure that they can strengthen it. I mean, to this day, I, I you know I haven't stopped. I still look to broaden my network. So I think it you know it's not at, at a certain point that that kind of just relaxes. I think it's part of our leadership journey to continue to strive to have a very very strong external network. When the network is important for a variety of reasons. Sometimes we always learn from from the network, but it's also sometimes perspective. Sometimes uh, the in leadership it can be uh, lonely at the top, so to speak. So sometimes you want to share with other leaders pain points and learnings from others. So it, it should, despite where you are in the journey, I don't know that there's a way around it. So I think that's excellent advice. Uh, Dennis, I'm I'm going to ask uh, just from uh, from slightly slightly different uh, point of view on this, but just uh, be, talking about networking, you've actually been fairly involved in the community as well. So, uh, what advice would you have for people that sort of with what your personal involvement has been like, and and what what recommendations would you have for the audience in terms of getting involved and giving back to the community? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is you know, part of, of who I am. Um, you know, I, I think I grew up in very, very uh, modest uh, beginnings uh, with my parents being teachers and, and whatnot. Uh, I think it's important that we we give back to the community. Um, so I think just getting involved, and there's nothing too small. People think sometimes, I, you know, I, I don't have the, um, you know, 50 hours a year or whatnot. It doesn't have to be that. I think find something that you believe in that, um, you know, makes sense to you. And to be honest, I'd go as far as, as to say, I think it's as leaders, it's actually our obligation to support our, our community and to give back. Um, so, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I'll go back to what I said is, is it really comes down to find something you believe in, a cause you think is, is worthwhile. And it could be as simple as helping out at your, your kids' schools. It could be broader um, in terms of, you know, larger charities. Uh, but I think it really is important to think that you do make a difference and we can all make a difference. Um, and I think that having everybody kind of step up and provide some of their, you know, their time, it doesn't always have to be, you know, money either, um, does go a long way. And for people who have done it, um, you know, when you, you look at people that you're actually helping out and seeing the impact you've had, that is hugely rewarding as well. So, I, you know, I, I guess the advice is get involved. Nothing's too small. And you'd be surprised as to how much you, um, you know, it, it does make a difference in, in your life. And next thing you know, I mean, in my case, it, it started off, I think, very small. Now in sitting on boards of, of larger charities and whatnot, and you realize that, you know, you're, you're able to help them with things that you've acquired in terms of experience over the years. That is, you know, uh, really rewarding that you maybe not, don't think twice about what you can add in terms of, uh, in terms of value. For sure. And I, and I think the, 
Dennis, you've probably found this as well in several of the uh, the, the podcasts that we've done. One of, one of the themes that came up is that while you're giving back to the community and you're getting involved in in any capacity, but let's say in some of the boards you're currently involved in, it also ends up being great networking as well. You meet people that you would have sometimes not met in that context. And to your point about continuously networking, this becomes uh, an addition to that just by giving back. Oh, I fully agree. And it is... Uh, so for, for all, to all the listeners, giving back uh, can, can in return give back to you as well. So this is important to, to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and Dennis, uh, I know we, we touched on, on a couple of situations around sort of more around leadership lessons and, and tips to share. So for future aspiring leaders out there, are there any other tips uh, that you'd like to share that I may have not gotten a chance to ask that that when they when they think regarded industry agnostic or sometimes even role agnostic, what other what are there other items that we may have that I would be remiss not to ask if I uh, <laughs> since we have the opportunity? Yeah, I would think that you know, especially when you look at more junior managers to maybe some more senior managers, uh, you know, one thing that that's, that I've learned as well is around listening to your teams. Uh, that people think they may have all the answers. And the reality is that you don't, I don't. Um, so I think trusting your teams is a huge part as well um, in terms of our progression. And that's also how we as leaders learn too. Um, sometimes I think as more junior managers tend to, you know, maybe get threatened by, you know, people on their teams that are superstars or whatnot. And as you get more experienced, I'll say, it's the exact opposite. I mean, the team that I've built here are a team of complete superstars. Uh, and that's what you, you need to do. So I think initially people are more concerned about having, you know, people who may take their jobs or whatnot. The reality is that the, the life lesson is that, you know, you need to have a very, very strong team. The stronger, the better. And that's what we all should be aspiring to as, uh, as leaders. And Dennis, I think that's very important. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, the t our teams should not be a threat to us. If anything, we we can only be better with with the team that is uh, as highly qualified as possible. But what tips would you have for the audience? How, how do you find those superstars? What could you do to find the superstars? Like, are there methodologies that you could share? <laughs> <laughs> In terms of how to find them, uh, that's uh, that's a tougher one. Now we'll have a separate one on uh, on HR and recruitment. I, I think honestly. It's it's more about you know finding people that have the desire and the ambition to do well. I think the other stuff can be learned, uh, you know, without minimizing anything. But I think for me, having people with the right attitude for me is the is the foundation. After that, you know, we can work on how we get to that point of of being a superstar. But if someone is the opposite, have has fantastic technical knowledge or whatnot, but has a poor attitude. I know I, I don't want that person to my team. So it's all about gelling with, with me, with my team, wanting to make a difference, believing in the cause. And then the rest of it can essentially be learned to a, to, a, to an extent. No, and, and I couldn't agree more with ambition and the right attitude, Dennis, because uh, that's the people that have the ambition, they will drive to success by just wanting to learn and asking the right questions and finding the direction that way without having to wait on on uh, 
sort of somebody to 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 tell them what to do uh, which is often and when you're running fast-paced organizations you often have limited room for instruction all right so now we go to the part of the podcast that uh, i find it's the the fun and uh and the uh, gets gets the creative juices flowing, so to speak. So we call the rapid fire questions. And uh, Dennis, the first question I have for you is, what word do you hate? Without a doubt, it's y'all. <laughs> so every time you go to the southern U.S., I think you you run into some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I just try to uh, block things out. Uh, and Dennis, after we finish rapid fire questions, I'm actually going to ask you a little bit about your experience traveling because uh, I know there's uh, certainly the job would have involved some, but I'll get back to that. What where, what words do you have a hard time pronouncing, if any? Yeah, uh, the word statistically. I've had to use that many times in courses at McGill, and whenever I have to use that word, I always have to pause to make sure it comes out accurately, but that word is uh, my... Uh, my trouble word. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, uh, the how many languages do you speak? And I, I, I'll preface this with saying I, I've heard you speak French and English, so I know those are two. That's it. I'm, uh, those two are the ones that I can speak. And and it's it's a lot more than most people, so that's good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and what's one word to describe yourself? I would say I would say probably one word would be uh, punctual. If it's a second word, maybe uh, impatient. But I think the the overriding word is punctual is definitely my word. And, and uh, I think the the I could attest to that. And I think by definition, punctuality sometimes brings some impatience for lack of punctuality. So that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Dennis, I'll ask you in a moment, just uh, sort of, of any of any thoughts, any advice, or more generally. But one thing that I wanted to ask more specifically is, naturally, you probably have to do a fair bit of travel right now with, for the organization. What does that look like for you? Do you have to travel often? Uh, I I don't really. I mean, I probably go to Europe uh, a couple times uh, a year um, in in the current job and in in the past, maybe seeing some of our other sites as well in Singapore and whatnot. But, you know, our, our headquarters for the, the company are in London and our headquarters for the division I'm part of is in, in Germany as well. So those are probably the, the main places where I tend to uh, tend to travel, but nothing nothing crazy. And clearly a lot of work here locally with uh, Ottawa and Quebec for meetings with the, um, the governments. And part of the reason why I ask this, Dennis, and I've asked other leaders that we've had on the podcast, is that sometimes uh, people have limitations around travel, et cetera, or, or some may not enjoy it. What would you say, is that, an, uh, is that something that aspiring leaders need to be open to and that it's a necessity, or, or it's the kind of thing that you could also do without? So again, if you're working in a multinational company, you're looking to grow in a multinational company, uh, you know, decisions aren't just made locally. So to, I go back to what I said about networking, and we talked about external networking, but internal networking is as important in terms of career progression. So I think it is really important uh, to get out there. Uh, it doesn't have to be excessive, but to get out to meet the right people as well, decision makers, um, I think is is important because people who tend to stay in one location, 
uh, may not have the experience of seeing how other companies or the other divisions do certain things. And I go back to, uh, you know, to being humble and understanding that there may be a better way out there. Traveling brings, a, 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 brings about some of that openness and awareness as a leader that I think is critically important. Well, and Dennis, uh, that makes me think of a, a subtopic that is very actual and very uh, relevant to us. Uh, speaking of internal networking, a lot of people have preferred the working from home and sort of, uh, especially in the current environment, uh, uh, trying to go to the office as little as possible. Uh, considering the importance of internal networking, what is your suggestion? What should, especially younger uh, sort of people in their careers, should they plan more time in the office? Listen, I think that it's very hard to replace face-to-face -face interaction, right? I, I completely understand uh, flexibility, um, and this is what employees or many employees need and want as well. Um, so you know, we do have a flexible working policy here um, in that we want people to be here a certain number of days, but also allowing them uh, to work from home. So I think that in general, whether you're you're younger or, or more senior, I think that you know face-to-face -face, uh, interactions are very hard to replace uh, over teams or, or, or whatnot. So I think it is important to think that we could run an operation completely remote, I think is um, not realistic. Um, and but I think that as employers, we, you know, I think it's important as well, uh, because people have different um, family obligations, whatnot, having flexible options is also still something that should be worked into our, um, our structure that we offer to all employees. And especially in today's world as well, Gary, I mean, you know, where most most people are looking for um, new employees, and we need to be an employer of choice. So again, as a company, we need to adapt ourselves to the market's uh, realities to make sure we are attracting the best and the brightest to our facilities. And if that's one of the selling points to offering flexible working, then so be it. And that's why we've done it. And Dennis, I, I completely agree with the flexibility. I think it's important. And, and, and it's we proved some during the pandemic that we can obviously do some remote working and still be effective. But I think one key takeaway that from what you said about the internal networking, employer flexibility aside, uh, I think it's important for younger people to take that initiative. Uh, and I say younger people, I think this applies to everybody, but especially people are getting their careers kicking off. In large organizations, it's so easy to get lost and not get known. So that FaceTime becomes so important. I agree. And I remember, I remember the early stages uh, of, of my career. It's, uh, it would have been hard to get things going without uh, some FaceTime. And it's, but it may have been part of my nature as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's important. So, Dennis, I know uh, I, I asked sort of some questions in, in different directions, but any additional advice more broadly that you would have for uh, for for aspiring business leaders or current business leaders, uh, things that you found worked well and you're like, I'd like to share this as parting thoughts. Yeah, I think that, you know, one thing is, again, broaden your horizons, learn more, learn a new skill. Uh, you know, I think the learning has to be continuous, I think is one of the, the key things uh, that I would share uh, with everybody. I think the other thing as well as aspiring leaders um, is just to, to understand that all the efforts that you are putting in are recognized. Uh, maybe you feel that they're not, uh, but I think in terms of organizations, 
people, you know, do see um, who's putting in, in work um, and, you know, goodness comes to those who put in the effort as well. It's no different than anything in life, whether it's, you look at schools and the correlation of the, the time you spend studying and marks, work is, is no different. So you, you put in time, that gets recognized, usually gets rewarded as well. Uh, other three promotions through uh, financially or, or whatnot. So I think that's also something just to think of um, that uh, or to remember that all that sort of effort you are putting in will and does get recognized uh, throughout these um, you know larger organizations. And Dennis, I think that's a really important uh, thought to to leave the audience with because we've gone through a couple of years, uh, the most recent couple of years, where employee uh, the employee base had good selection in terms of employment opportunities, and sometimes it seemed like the opportunities were there even without the effort necessarily. But I think uh, while that may be driven by certain market forces, it's so important to keep in mind that long term. The reputation created within the within the organization within the industry matters so much with with this level of hard work. So, great great uh, great advice, Dennis, and I think it'll really resonate with a lot of our audience. Yeah, thank you. So, Dennis, uh, I know you are a busy uh, busy executive. So, I really appreciate uh, the time for you to join me today. The, I think there will be a lot of key takeaways uh, and, and uh, we'll attempt to do it in bite sizes <laughs> and, and really uh, and, and really say like look uh, the, the, the every time uh, every time we do that there's you know the, you obviously some, see some general patterns uh, of success but at the same time yeah. every time there's new learnings that uh, from each podcast. Yeah, no, it's been absolutely great, uh, Gary. Thanks for the opportunity just to, to share that, that with your audience and hopefully uh, goodness comes from it. And as it always does, to your point, this is one of our forms of networking. So thanks again, uh, Dennis, uh, for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you, Gary.